Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to Good Humans episode number 85. Today is going to be a really fun episode. Big thank you to everyone who continues to tune in, all of our new viewers on YouTube, your bloody legends, everybody who is tuning in on the podcast platforms, bloody love you all. Make sure whatever platform you are on, you take a little moment of your time, hit that subscribe button. It really does help us move up the charts and really get this podcast into more ears. So be a good human, take 10 seconds of your time, hit that subscribe or follow button, leave us five stars, leave us a rating and yeah, we'd bloody love you long time for that. Big thank you as well to our sponsors, Drink at Rapper. They're bloody legends taking care of our brains and with so many incredible products, yeah, I think you should try it out. So they do this um, brain food powder that's for cognitive function. Um, it's epic to put in your smoothies, juices, yogurt, cereal, or just chuck it through your baking. Or the other one that I've been using is their mental clarity tablet. So they have their formula in a little tablet form. Chuck one of them down your throat in the morning. Brain clarity throughout the whole day. I use it before I do my workshops, before I get on stage, or also before I record podcasts. I love getting them and, yeah, getting my brain fired up. So if you want to use or try out their product, head over to drinkarepper.com. You can use code GOODHUMAN. You get a massive 25% off all of their range, which is a big discount. And, yeah, go take care of your brain. Tag us on your Instagram if you use it. And, yeah, we'd love to know all about it. All right, today's episode, Ryan Gallagher, this guy has got a wild story. He's very well known from his time on reality TV from Married at First Sight. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. He's also a big comedian now, but his story is super unique. He went through such a difficult upbringing. He had a really hard family life at home. Um, And then throughout his 20s, he got involved in a pretty successful business, got screwed over and then found, yeah, I guess reality TV, got on TV and his personality really shone through. He's very say it as it is an upfront dude but i think on reality tv he came through really good his um partner on the show left him for another dude on the show and he yeah kind of came off second best but he stayed really true to who he was showed great values and yeah has since then gone on into doing other reality tv shows plus also um yeah he's a comedian and he's bloody funny and he has a serious personality that's really infectious so I love getting to know him. I'm sure you will too. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you tag both myself and Ryan on Instagram. Everything will be in the show notes. I'm excited for this chat. Let's jump straight into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Ryan Gallagher. How you going, bro? I'm bloody good, mate. I, uh, it's good to finally reach out and speak to you. I got your <laughs> message saying, would you do it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I would. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a good one. Like it's a, it's a podcast that's not just about reality tv and all the other crap it actually helps people out yeah absolutely man i know you've had um a pretty crazy journey and we literally met about five minutes ago yeah. it's really cool you had no idea about what i do it was weird rocking up at your place it was like a tinder date 
like, I wonder what's going to go on. Yeah. And I didn't answer as well. And you didn't answer the gate. I didn't know if I had to bring tools or how the bloody hell I was supposed to get inside. Uh, but here we are, man. It's uh, it's great to get to know you. And hopefully this podcast can give you a bit of a platform, like you said, to share a bit more than what you're, I guess, known for in the limelight of yeah. doing uh, Married at First Sight and now comedy. But we spoke off air real briefly just then that you've had, um, yes, definitely some challenges along yeah. the way. And hopefully people can learn a little bit from your story. So... The first question I do open Good Humans podcast with is, what are you grateful for right now? What am I grateful for right now? I, I'm grateful for health. I've always looked at health as the, the, the pinnacle of what to be grateful for. I remember when COVID hit, I um, I lost a lot of work from it, obviously, like a lot of people did. And I remember I, I just lost so much money and I was down to me, so I had my savings. I was like, fuck, this is all going to go. I didn't know how long it was going to go for. And I remember being at a petrol station, I was filling my car up. And I thought, Christ, I've got, I've got literally nothing coming up now. Everything's cancelled. And then I just had a sort of laugh. And I thought, well, a billionaire would probably cha- change if he was dying of cancer, would give every single bit of money to have your health. Mm. And that was just like when I thought, who gives a shit about money? And I sort of stopped caring. So that was like me changed. COVID made me learn a lot about myself in that way. Man, that's beautiful. I think health is something that a lot of us take for granted and something it that is. we all need to focus on. And something that is healthy is Drink a Rapper, our uh, brain fuel drink sponsor there um, i was telling you about them off air but yeah neuroscientists developed caffeine free all natural ingredients and yeah and tastes bloody good to be honest ta- yeah it tastes delicious so we just cracked one of them and yeah it's going to get our brain fired up for the chat are you, you actually, more than one you can have as many as you I'll like mate all natural i have a very good brain by the end of this yeah yeah brain will be very fired <laughs> up by the end but um yeah man let's jump into your story so how i like to start good humans podcast is to get to know I guess a bit about you from your childhood. So yeah. where did you grow up and what was family life like and the dynamics as a family as much as you're willing to share? I'm on the farm now. Oh, shit, everything doesn't bother me. I'm open book. Uh, I, I, I'm on the farm now and I grew up on the farm. But back in the early days when I was a kid, I was actually born in Sydney in a place called Canterbury. Uh, if you follow on around, it's where the Canterbury Bulldogs are. My mum worked at the hospital there. So I was, I was born there. And then up until I was 12, I lived in Sydney and then we obviously bought the farm. But growing up, um, I had a pretty good life. Uh, it was, it, it had its challenges, but I, I mean, I was, I was healthy. That's one of the main things. Um, to start with, yeah, born, born and raised. So I was born in, in Canterbury, but we lived in a place called Tilopia, which is Western suburbs of Sydney. We have a rough old joint. Uh, we lived in a pretty old fibro sort of rough looking joint. It wasn't much to look at. It looked like something out of, you know, don't breathe the mm. movie. Yeah, it was like that, but worse. Uh, <laughs> kids like come and play at my place. They weren't really allowed around and stuff because we were sort of the. I was always a ratty kid. I was I was born with well, a lot of people would be able to write as well ADHD. And as a young kid, I um I was always the ratty kid with a with dirt all around my face and always doing all the crap you shouldn't be doing, playing with fireworks, making sparkler bombs and and all that crap. So I can now I actually am saying and I can understand why people weren't allowed around. Uh, but I remember shooting a firework and hitting my neighbour in the eye and I was like, oh shit, and he had a black eye and he was from a pretty strict family and he was never allowed around again, so that was one gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, growing up, I, I guess I had, a, I had a normal sort of childhood. I had a mum, a dad and my brother. Uh, when I was going up until five, I had a, a heart murmur thingo. Uh, which turned out it was just a regular heartbeat, which I used to... I remember seeing all these machines and shit and, and this um, hospital, which was the Royal Children's Hospital in, in Sydney. I remember this big whale on the roof. That's all I can remember. <laughs> I mean, hooked up to machines. But then when I was five, my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer, 
and I didn't get along with, with my old man very well. He was always a pretty hard man and just yelling and, and whatnot. And I remember when I was five, a kid that young still thinking, because I remember mum had to go to hospital for operations stuff. We were stuck with him. And I remember his cooking was just shit house. It was so bad, man. <laughs> oh, fuck, it was dreadful. But when she was alive, and I remember thinking, and this is as a kid, like if she went, I'd be stuck with him. And I remember just being in fear of that at five years old. And that was, um, my dad was a, is a big drinker, was, um, still does dabble a bit, I think. <laughs> I don't really talk to him. Uh, but yeah, my dad was, um, I, I, he was, he was always at the pub or, or if he was at the pub, he'd come home either happy or angry. You didn't know which one with drinking. And this is the thing with kids. They don't understand drinking because you're either, he was either in bed, hung over, uh, didn't drink and was grumpy, uh, happy and pissed or, ha- or drunk and uh, uh, pissed and aggressive. There was, and you sort of didn't know which one you're coming home to. And that's not a, a healthy thing for a kid. And when I was about seven, I got, I started, I remember having my first ever panic attack. Um, and I, I remember I, I was going to throw up. It was someone, there's people around or something and I don't know what I ate and I felt like I was going to spew and I had a fear of vomiting, which I didn't know I had. Um, and I had my first panic attack and I remember being given an asthma puffer because no one knew what it was. Like when yeah. I was seven, it was sort of new. My mum didn't know what it was. She was like, he's having an asthma attack and she's a nurse and gave me a puffer. I remember sitting on the back stairs and I just could not take a breath. Like I could not get a breath. And then we went to the doctors like a week later cause it wasn't getting better. And he's like, I think he's having anxiety and attack. And she's like, well, what do we do about that? And there was no really medication then for that. And they said, oh, you're going to have to see a child psychologist. And there was one, and it was in Parramatta in Sydney. Her name was Johnine Lees. I'll never forget it. And I went to, to her and she figured out it was that or whatever. But I still had that fear of vomiting. So I stopped eating because I was afraid of, of vomiting. Oh, wow. um, and I went through till about 12 years old of only eating fluids and like milkshakes and stuff. And even then I wouldn't feel full. So I was like real skinny and, and then it was sort of like you, uh, <laughs> human coat mind. hanger. And I, but I, I wouldn't eat. So I'd wear two shirts. So I looked a bit thicker. I used to always wear two shirts. I was weird but back then. And then when I was 12, I went to, uh, what do you call it? A, a group therapy for, for uh, fear of vomiting. But no, it was oh, fear, fear of vomiting. vomiting but wow. every kid in that thing had something weird. I mean, vomiting's weird. Everything's weird. Someone had a fear of elevators. One had a fear of talking to people in public. Um, there was all these different kids and each week we did it for, I think it was eight weeks. And each week we got given a test of things we had to do to sort of try and overcome. Like one of the kids who was a fear of being public had to go and ask someone the time. I had to eat a whole pizza. Can't vomit on Yeah. To, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, they sent me a video home. I had to watch it every day of like, it was, I think they made it, but it was them tipping chocolate milk down the sink or something. It looked like they were throwing up. And I had to watch that. And then um, they never actually made me be sick, but they made me like eat a full pizza like towards the end. So I felt real full and stuff like that. And then it worked and I got over it. And then um, I sort of still had anxiety. I've had anxiety since I was seven every single hour of the day, every single second of the day. It was either my breathing, head spins, um, tingles. Uh, like, I don't know if you, have you had anxiety before? I find anxiety is an interesting one because the way you're describing it right now is so different to the way that I've almost heard it described from most people. Nowadays, and you'd probably, as someone who is diagnosed with anxiety, be able to 
say how debilitating it is. Whereas mm. some people like, I get anxiety if I drink a coffee. If yeah, I feel like I'm yeah, forgetting yeah. something. It's a different That's not type. anxiety. That's like a bit of stress. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's this like, anxiety, I think it's just brought on by something. My brain doesn't have the thing to stop it. And that's what I had to learn. I was like, I, yeah. I'd just be sitting in traffic in a car and just having a full blown thing for no reason. Like, and I'm not a scared guy. Like I'm, I, I'm pretty like tough. I'll have a crack at anything, but for some reason, like I bungee jumped out of a helicopter on I'm a celeb, but I have a panic attack and a tunnel drive in a car. Like it's just weird. Yeah. It, it's so strange for me. And everyone I talk about, cause I, I'm very open. I tell everyone, you know, I can tell if someone's having an anxiety attack cause I know them so well. I can read them. Well, no, I don't know them so well, but I know the, the mannerisms Science. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, and they're like, how the hell do you know that? And I always talk to them about it. Cause I know every single bit of anxiety. I reckon I've had the worst, of the worst, like I've stayed in bed for four days. I've, and the thing with anxiety is if you think it, it'll happen. Yeah. So if you think, oh, I can't feel the left side of my tongue, you won't feel the left side of your tongue. And you're like, holy shit. And then you think something's wrong or my foot's tingling and you'll straight away it'll start tingling. I've, I'm having a stroke or something. It, it, anxiety is so powerful in the way that it just makes you feel things that aren't real. It's like tripping. I, I don't yeah. know what it is. but I, like I, And I think the fear of vomiting was a fear of choking as well. So I, I won't take medications um i i struggle because i don't want to have i used to have it i've still got it now where i don't want to have um an allergic reaction to shit but it worked out in the end because i never i've never done drugs yeah, i've man. never done a pinger i've never had a cigarette never had a coffee never uh, had a coffee no I, I remember i was doing a radio gig at the um at the radio station up here in on the goldie and they brought me in a coffee and they're like oh how do you have it and i was like oh that's fine whatever that is and i was like mm, and I, I didn't drink it <laughs> Um, because I, no, no, I don't know what Red Bulls do. Same with Red Bulls. I reckon I've had like 10 vodka Red Bulls, never had a can on its own because it just causes such bad anxiety. Yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, so when I was, so that was up until I was 12 and then. And your mum got over breast cancer. She did the first one. Yeah. First one. She, she beat that when I was younger and then I got to 15 and my brother was an ice addict. He he smoked meth and did all that business and was always on the drugs and whatnot, which. And he was older. He was older. So I was. When I was 15, he was 19. He was four years older. He drove a go-kart underneath a bus um, at our old place. We still had the place in Sydney at that point, but we were living at the farm and he had a party there and got a go-kart out with all these drug mates, drove up the street, went straight underneath the back of a bus. It was parked and he broke his neck just below his neck. His spinal cord is crushed at T6, which is your nipples. Um, he crushed the whole front of his skull, the whole side. So he's got 12 titanium plates in his head. He was in a coma for almost two months. Uh, spinal rehab for six months. Brain rehab for six months. He was in hospital for about 18 months all up, I think it was. Um, but then why he was in hospital for the... F- I think he'd been in the... Co- just got out of the coma and he was in hospital. Mum got diagnosed with cancer again in the other breast. And I remember that was when I was like, fuck. And I just wanted to hang myself. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was, if I was going to lose her, I was going to lose my brother. And again, stuck with him. Stuck with your dad. Yeah. He's still the same as yeah, he was and, when you were younger. Oh, fuck yeah. He's just, he still is. He's just a selfish fucker. I, I, I just, and that's why I don't want to, I don't like drinking because I don't want my kids to go through that. And then seeing my brother on the drugs, I also don't want anyone else to go through that because like I'd said to my parents, I'd never take drugs. I never have. Wow. That's not my thing. And I, so I, I, I just, I steer clear of that. But the, the drinking, I just... If you can't look your own kid in the eye and think, shit, I need to change, what, what will? Yeah. You can't change it. I know there's a lot of parents out there, kids out there with parents who are on drugs or, or alcohol. The worst thing about that is I used to go to psychologists and stuff to sort of learn how to handle him, but he wouldn't go and do anything because he knew he was the problem, I think, so he avoided them. 
And there's a lot of kids that think, oh, shit, I, I, I'm doing wrong. You're not. You, you don't have to adapt to these pricks. As soon as you get 18, I moved out of home when I was, I think at, at first playing, I was been 16. I had to get out of there. I, I just had to because he was just like demeaning. Like even like my tablets and stuff, when I started taking them, he's like, oh, go take more medication. Like he just uses those things wow. where he's just doing, he always has to make you feel this low. And he's done it since I was a kid, but I, I, I don't know if he sees me as like competition or what it is, but he doesn't see me as family. That's, that's his problem. Like even you look at video uh, photos and stuff of us, like my brother, my mom and stuff, he, he's sort of distant. And now I look back and I see it, but I, I just can't forgive him things. Like he used to come home piss and belt the shit out of us. And, and it's just, you, yeah, you can't sort of forgive for that stuff. It's just not nice. Yeah. Well, and I wouldn't do that to, to my kids. That's why I don't drink. Well, every now and then I'll dabble, but I, I don't do it now but when so that happened when I was 15 um and then my brother got out of hospital when I was 16 whatever and I pissed off uh he went home because mum's a nurse and she was caring for him sort of because he it, take, it took a lot to get him where he is now yeah. he's still in a wheelchair he's a paraplegic uh and then when I was I so when I left school at 15 I went and worked for my old man and he had a business and he used to just be the absolute prick of the earth to work for I remember once we're doing a job in Ramwick in Sydney and he just left me there and I walked from Ramwick to Parramatta in work boots and stuff. I had no phone, nothing. He just left me there. I got all the way. That couldn't ring me, old girl. Couldn't couldn't do anything. Um, and then when I got to nineteen, I said to him, I said, I, I don't um, I don't want to. I, I can't work with you anymore. I'm going to start my own business. And he said, Well, you're not doing it here, like in the factory. And I was like, Okay. So I went, I'll go start my own. And I went and started my own. And then by twenty four, I was fucking way bigger than he was. I had contracts all over Australia. I ended up doing work for his business. Um, and then, yeah, he, and then when I was, so I had an Australia-wide company. I was a tradie. I did uh, security shop fronts like roller shutters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm going too quick, tell me slowly. No, no, I was just the gonna, ADHD no, 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 you do it. <laughs> it's amazing. I love when someone can just go. But I just want to rewind real quickly back to what high school was like for you because you're obviously oh, yeah, dealing yeah, yeah. with like an older brother mm. who's far from a role model, a dad who's far from a role model, yeah, yeah, a yeah. mum who's been sick. How did you find school? So school was fucking awful. Sorry, I don't know if I swear on it. Good, oh, sounds good. So it was fucking awful. It was like, oh, I also had another thing called obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. Forgot about that one. Fish has got that bad. Oh, I, oh right. It's clean. Loves being clean. Yeah, well, I, I was the opposite. I didn't like being clean, but I had to make sure my mattress was against the wall and shit. And if it wasn't, me old girl would have an accident on the way to work. She was like a night nurse. As a kid, that was my main thing. I couldn't lose her because I'd be stuck with him. So that was obviously how my body expressed it. So I'd mm. feel okay about it. Some people turn to Jesus. I clearly have not. Uh, and then, so I, yeah, I, I, school was, so when I got dropped off at school, I, I sort of had, I don't know why, but also having anxiety at school, um, school psychologists and shit just knew nothing. There was no point. And I hate, with ADHD, I couldn't sit still. I was always yelling out shit in the class like and getting in trouble. I never hurt anyone, never stole anything, but I was a real ratty freaking kid. I just could not sit still. And I remember year six, I got expelled from my first school when I was in year four because I just couldn't sit still and I would disrupt the other yeah. students. Went to a Catholic school um, and I wasn't allowed to graduate because of the same thing. But I remember we were sitting in the, in the um, principal's office and it was mom, dad, principal and year coordinator and they said he's he's um he's been a real shit like he, we can't control him and the old man said if you don't 
um, pull your head in, you're repeating here next year. And the principal went, oh, no, no, he's not staying here. No, 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 I'll never, that's like, oh, oh, well, fuck, pull your head in, you got somewhere else. I'll never forget it. But I, I never heard anyone, but I remember the last few days of that school, some kid had like a pedometer thing on his push bike back then that was like an iPhone. So that was pretty flash and it got stolen and they just accused me like full on, like thought I did it. I never did it. Wow. I never, ever did it. And, and they still like to that day, like, like I remember when I left cause I, I wasn't allowed to come back cause of it. They kicked me out. I never touched it. I've never stolen a fucking thing in my life. Wow. And I, I still don't know who took it. Nothing. His name is Neil Duffy. If you're watching your prick, I didn't take your bloody, whatever the hell <laughs> it is. Have <laughs> you got an iPhone now? You ungrateful bastard. <laughs> so yeah, I, I um, yeah, I never took it. That, but that was just because I was ratty. They sort of see you as things. And same as I've been with with um, with girls like since I was younger. And, and parents think I automatically take drugs because I'm just a hyper, yeah, hyper freaking person. And and like you say hyper because a lot of people say hypo, but that means the opposite. Mm, hypo means down. Hypo goes down. Yeah. yeah. So I've always been that hyper hyper kid. But and because I had obsessive compulsive, I was doing that sort of stuff, and people. Had, feel that and the other thing was I didn't gra- I didn't hit puberty until I was 17 so I used to get called no pubes at school I <laughs> fucking hate it now everyone's trying to laser I would have been really popular but I, there was one there was a guy I saw and I shouldn't have done it but I did he used to bully the fuck out of me at school and, and I was suicidal like I used to cop so much shit and I remember I slipped my wrist once I was very bad to get stitches there um, because of this fucking kid and when I was 22 I'd grown and I saw him in team and I just smacked him. I just knocked him clean out on the ground. I shouldn't have done it, but fuck him. Um, yeah, I, 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 that, I felt really good after that. <laughs> Obviously, now I look back, maybe it wasn't the best time. I made sure he woke up before I left. Um, he did get up. I don't know if he got money out or how much, so I can't really... It wasn't there that long, but... Yeah, I, that was sort of like my revenge because he made so much. There's one other bloke as well that was the same, but I haven't seen him since. What sort of bullying were they... Like, what were they targeting you for? Oh, yeah. I used... Like, they... Because I was little and ratty and I was... I was like up to here, man. I was tiny and mm. I was like, you look like this. And they used to... Because they were like grown men now, they were just... It was always no pubes and shit or shut up ratty and stuff like that. And I was pretty like loud and always well-spoken and stuff. So that was sort of like shut you down every time. And obviously with girls and stuff because... I was like that. It sort of made me look like I was lower and it was sort of harder to, to sort of break into that. And I was, oh, I remember, like, if you wanted to be with the chick when I was, like, 14 or whatever, it'd be like, I don't be like, weird. Like, oh, I shave, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, weird stuff like that. But that was, it, as a kid growing up, that's, uh, like, a boy, that's the type of shit that's hard to talk about, like, boners and, and all that I shit. I remember that, like, looking under your arms, like, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, nothing, I got like, one. Your balls are like, yeah. Because oh, everyone else is getting them. And I went to, a, like, a Catholic school, so they were all lebos, and they were, like, hairy legs in year seven, and here's me, <laughs> fucking, yeah. I graduated, I left school, I didn't graduate, I left school before my voice broke. Wow. I remember getting pulled up out the front of the school, and this is, like, six months later, I got pulled up out the front of the school, and I got, they didn't believe that was me on the license. Because I, I, I just looked so young. And he had to ring my parents. I was there for like 45 minutes on the side of the road. He had to take photos through the thing and everything. Didn't believe it was me. He thought I was too young and I was using my brother's license or something. And eventually he had to ring my parents. I'm oh, like, no, 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 that's him. Um, yeah, so that was, um, that was school. That was school. Yeah. And then I left school at 15. Uh, went and worked for my old man. Um, but I remember also at school... Because I had anxiety so bad when I was at school, like I used to play footy as well, I get fucking smashed because I was small. And when I felt sick, my, I remember my mum, because she was a nurse, she gave me like a quarter of Valium. I used to keep in my bag if I ever needed it, if I was really bad. Or <laughs> I was at footy training, I'd never used it before. And I was at footy training and I was like, I feel sick. And, and I, it was just anxiety. And I, he goes, go out to sick bay. And I went to sick bay and I took the 
the Valium and I woke up at quarter to six and no, they didn't know I was there. And I woke up and the cleaner was out in the <laughs> office and my mum had been out the front waiting for me the whole time and she thought I must be on an excursion or something. Everyone had fucking left sports day, they left at quarter to three. I was there for like no an extra two and a half hours. Bag. No one knew I was there. No one, like the staff in the bloody office and everything all forgot. No. Because I was no. out. I took this tablet and I was just fucking zoned out and it was... Oh my God. That was, um, yeah. And the old girl came down and she was, where were you? I was fucking in bed. Um, but yeah, that was, that was school. And then with work, I, I ended up being really fucking good at what I had, at what I did with, with shutters. I, I'm with ADHD. I'm real bad where I can't read anything. I read a paragraph. I'll start with one word, get to the last, forget everything I've read. Mm. And it's, I've tried and I've tried. And that was a problem with school where they just like, just do it. And I'm like, well, I fucking can't. Like yeah. I, I would if I could, but they just didn't know enough back then. And I, I refused to take Ritalin. And my old girl said, if you don't want to take it, don't take it. So I didn't. And God. So what's different about anxiety medication compared to Ritalin? Well, that's the thing. I didn't want to take anxiety medication either. And I put that off for so long. And when I got to, so this is the other thing. This I went into work, uh, did my business and whatever. My dad got diagnosed with Parkinson's when I was 27. And he couldn't get up ladders and do what he wanted to do anymore. And mom, I spoke to mum and she said, well, he can't really do what he does. Can you do the work for him and, and do that for me? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I ended up having a meeting with old man. I said, well, look, I'll merge my company with yours. I'll take your name because you've got 30 something years. It looks better than on mine. I'll bring all my contracts over and we'll go from there. And he's like, oh, okay. Anyway, he bought a new car without consulting me, put 70 grand into radio advertising with a bloke called John Laws, which we with like this code to use. No one ever rang um, and spent all this fucking money. And in, in the end, I, and he wasn't listening to me. And in the end, I said, look, man, I'm going to go back on the thing. I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm really sorry. And he said, well, it's in my name now. And I was like, fuck. Righto, and it was right before Christmas, and I remember laying in bed for four days, and I was just going to top myself. I was done. I'd lost my business. I'd been working in for so long, and I was just, I was done. And I remember I was talking to my uh, an ex girlfriend, my first ever love, really, when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Her mum, I was talking to her online, and I told her, and she said, "You get yourself out of fucking bed now and go to the doctor, please go." And she said, "I'll, I'll message every fucking two minutes if you don't go." And I got up, and went to the doctor. And he said, I want you to take these. And it was metazepam. And I was always against but I was just, uh, medications, but I was just in such a fucking lump. Um, I couldn't even get a bed with the head spins and shit. I got banned from coming home for Christmas. He told him I wasn't allowed there. Um, so Your I was, dad did. Yeah. Right, so you got shunned even though you'd done... He'd... I'd done nothing wrong. And the old girl was like, I'm really sorry. Like she, he was like, she's just sticking young. up for him. He's just a fucking bully. Stuck up for him. No, she, she didn't stick up for him. him. No, she didn't stick up for him. She just said, I can't do anything. Like, it's, uh, I just, because he would cause a scene. If I said, mm. no, he would just cause so much stress for everyone. He know, he wants you to feel this big. Like, he, he won't stop. Um, and so I went and got the medication and I tried it. And it was like an eight week build up because yeah. you can't just start taking it. So I had to build up on it. And at the end of that eight weeks, I was like, holy shit, I feel fucking insane. Like, so good. And I was like, this is the first time I have not had anxiety since like seven. Wow. And I just felt so much better. And then I just didn't feel like... I remember going to a pub with the mates that weekend and we used to drink like Thursday, Friday, Saturday... Or Friday... Most Friday, yeah. Saturdays, but sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every weekend. And I remember I was with them and I just... I was halfway through a beer and I put it down and said, I think I'm going to go home. I don't feel like drinking. And I gave it up for like... That was eight months. I gave it up for. And then... And how old were you here? Uh, 27, I think it was. 28. 28, I think I was. But there's actually one more thing. So a year before that... I got asked to do maths. I was at a place called the Pavilion in Coogee 
and I was pissed as a fart. And just, I hit so this is why you're still, a year before this, so when you're yeah, yeah, working yeah. for your dad, you've merged. No, I was working for myself. Oh, yeah, it was so, similar around that same. No. So right when you merged the business, you got asked Yeah, probably Max. about that, yeah, about then, or just before I had with him, one of the other, because we weren't merged for long. It didn't last long. Um, but I was I was still having a business, and I was at the pavilion, and I was pissed as a fart, and I hit on this, this girl, and she said, I'm married. I said, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. And she said, but I'm a producer on a TV show. Would you do it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking do that. And I, was, I would have said yes to anything. And then they rang on the Tuesday and I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. I've got business to run. I'm really sorry. And I hung up and then um, I went through the thing with the old man, whatever, and then I quit drinking. And then eight months after I quit drinking, I was at um, this uh, the same place, uh, the Pavilion Hotel, and my mate was doing pre-drinks. We were doing ISIS stripping and, and topless waitering and shit. And <laughs> my hey day. And uh, <laughs> now I'm a fatogram. And I, <laughs> I couldn't, um, so I was with him there. And a woman came up with a with a uh, a board, and she's like, "I'm doing scouting for for uh, for reality." And I was like, "What is it?" And she said, "Maths." I said, "I actually got asked to do that last year at the exact same location." And she said, "Did you do it?" And I said, "Well, clearly not." Oh, no. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, don't not you that work it works for them? Anyway. Don't, don't you work for <laughs> yeah. them? Like exactly. And I was like, "Oh, she, they turned out this was my producer as well." And um, and I said, "No, I, I, I said no." And she said, "Well, would you do it this time?" And I was like, "You know what? I, I'm single now. I feel like I've never been more ready." And I'd never seen the show. I didn't. Know and this when you just had a blow, like, yeah. broke, like you were kind of looking. Well, I was, up, no, I was on the medication, and I. But were you looking for? Had you? dad thing broken up when you got no so I went I didn't have a business really I tried to start again with like an ABN and shit and sort of bring my like a few contracts back over and I was just I thought I'd done it like I didn't want to do it anymore and then this hit and I was like boom like everything just hit and I was like all right I'll do it and then three weeks later I was married wow three weeks three weeks later so they actually were scouting for for other people but this Davina who was my wife on the show her partner had already done um his suit fitting and everything and they canned him no, and I went I on and did it. But then when I went on there, I, I, I think I was supposed to be a bit of a villain. But I remember my executive producer saying, we didn't think you were who you were. We thought you were a fucking idiot at first. Because oh, you, you were full tattered then. Eh? Yeah, you got I, was, like, well, I, I oh, remember all that yeah, too. Yeah, you got it removed. Yeah, so you're like tattered, yeah. stripper. And I'm, like... and I'm a loud fucking idiot. Like yeah, I've yeah. always made jokes and everything. And the part of me making jokes is always because I know... Um, like I know, I know, I know. I know. Robin Williams have said this before, but it's so true. You sort of make people laugh because it makes you feel good seeing them laugh because you know what it's like to feel like shit. Mm. And it's real true. There's nothing more of a rush I get than being on that stage and looking down and seeing people just happy. Yeah, it's such a feeling. And if anyone's ever wanted to get into comedy, fucking do it because it's it just makes you. I know it's selfish, but it makes you just feel so freaking cool. We'll get to that part of the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, so twenty five. Mum got it. Beat cancer again at fifteen, and then. Uh, did maths at 28, uh, did that, and then I went, fuck it, when I finished maths, I wanted to do comedy. So I, I went to... Let's talk about maths for a bit. Maths is a good part yeah, of the story. Yeah, ask whatever you want, maths, go for it. What I've had, I've, to be honest, I've had like probably, I had um, Jack Miller on, I don't know if you've watched any of the other seasons. No, I hate it. Okay. <laughs> sure but I think Jack was... There was a blow up a couple of years ago about a chick who had OnlyFans and he stuck up for his chick. Right. And he's like came across as like the really nice guy on yep. it. And watching your season, I didn't watch much of it, but I remember sitting with Chloe and Fish one day watching it and they loved you because they were yeah. like, this guy's a fucking legend. He got stitched up so hard. Yeah. So do you want to talk about, like you said, they thought you were going to be the villain, but I think it's so beautiful with like the story that you've obviously just been through. You're a bit loud, you're yeah, bit, yeah. a bit obnoxious. Like I can tell from just Sydney, oh, but I can also tell you have a big heart because of what you mm. went through on the show, the way you handled yourself. 
and yeah, what you're doing now. So let's um, let's talk about what happened on the show. So you go in, you get married on the first day. Well, the maths thing was it was weird because I'd never actually seen the show, and a lot of people say, "Oh, bullshit!" I actually hadn't. I had no idea. So. You actually do, and then the producers like this is it. Like this is the we've done all this science and shit and all this. Like they make you wear a shirt. For make seven it out nights. like you're definitely gonna yeah, be in yeah, love yeah. with all this person. This, all the science. It's it's seriously you have to wear it. So they make you wear a, a shirt to bed for seven nights with no deodorant, and then send it to them in the mail, and then they get people to smell it like the girls to see who they're attracted to. Oh, and shit. Oh, no way. They say that, and then so that's all done scientific and and whatnot. But I remember seeing. I also take in with this other scientist. We were in a lab and shit, and you're scrolling through, and they're trying to see who you'd like. It's like a bloody, I don't know. It's like it's weird. It's like Tinder, but yeah, to yeah, yeah. On the show, and I remember seeing my missus face, and I was like, nah, no. And I remember stuck in because I only said yes to one. It wasn't her, um, and I don't know whose wife that ended up being. Um, but yeah, they, they, they do all that. So you actually feel like you're going in and I was like, fuck, this is it. Like I'm getting married. Uh, and I was in the right time of life to do it. And, and I was looking for a change and I thought, fuck, this is it for me. So I, I, I rock up and I, uh, to, to Gold Coast, we got filmed, uh, we got married in the hinterland of the Gold Coast. Okay. Um, and I rocked up with my best man, who was my best mate. And I think I was allowed to fly up 15 family and friends. That's all they gave me is like a budget. You're allowed 15. I was like, fuck, okay, that's enough, I guess. I don't know if I got more than that. Um, so I flew them up as well. And so the next day, they pick us up in this limo and they feed your wines or whatever in the limo on the way to the, the wedding. And then you got to sit out the front and just wait. No, no takes. Just they make you wait and stress you all the time. Like it's always waiting. You're never just flowing. And then next thing you know, I walk in this part and I go up the aisle. They're all staring at me. And no one's at the end yet. And I'm going to walk up the stand there. And I look at her side on the left. And I was like, fucking hell, that's full. Like, she's got allowed to bring as many people as she could because she's from Queensland. And then my side's like half full. And then I looked at the first half. And I was like, who the fuck are these people? I've never seen these people in my life. And I looked like, there's two rows of mine. I was like, who the fuck are you? And then I thought, maybe she's got people from hers at that city. But it turns out they're actors. No, I it was cheaper for them to hire them than fly mine up. So I was no like, fuck it. And they were sitting at tables at the thing. And then they make me stand at the end of the aisle for yeah, 45 fake minutes. Friends. Yeah, I was like, can I, Auntie Judy, Uncle Phil, fucking just like, yeah, yeah, you going? How's the kids? I didn't know who they were. And then they make me stand there for 45 minutes. Um, and, and obviously, I, I saw her family and uh, her friends, like her bridesmaids, are like, she's oh, not going to be for me. bickering. No, they're just not my type. Like, no, but like they would have been like, you would have been standing oh, yeah, there looking into the crowd and there would have been, you would have felt so judged. Well, I don't give a shit. I've always stood up in front of crowds without giving a fuck. I, always, I did acting as well, a bit of that shit as well. Oh, I forgot about that, but that's, that's back in the day. Um, so I, I've never really been shy in front of people. Um, but yeah, you could, I could just tell by now, I don't want to paint a picture, but there was a few fake things and a few big lips and all that stuff. And I was like, that's not what I'm looking for. I didn't want, I just wanted yeah, a genuine, country boy, yeah, right? I just wanted a genuine chick who just didn't care about that stuff. And I was like, fuck. And on the ad, they were the only ones that didn't show me turning around like this when she walked down. Cause I went, Oh fuck. <laughs> because she just had all the fake stuff and I wasn't what? looking for it. I, they aired me saying it. I said, no fake lips, no fake boobs. I just want a genuine chick, no Botox, no nothing. I just want a genuine chick. And then they, she walked down. I was like, well, they didn't listen very fucking well. Like I'm not picky, but I also did the, the, the white thing where I gave her the time of the day you should. And, and, Charlotte, who's another girl, which I met on a show, uh, Charlotte Crosby, she's from UK. She's got all this stuff done. And I learned that was wrong, what I did on mass, because she has a really big heart and a big soul. She's got a lot of work done, but she's not 
your mm. token thing and I th- that sort of made me go you're an idiot I sometimes people get a lot of work done because of massive insecurities That's exactly too. right and that showed me that and that was one thing where I went back on maths and I was like fuck I probably shouldn't have done that um, and it taught me you can only learn from lessons in life and that was yeah. one thing I learned where I'm from there's Don't no judge. Botox no yeah. fake lips nothing so I just thought that was the cliche what came of it now I realise that's not the case um, but yeah when she walked down I, I, I stood there and whatever but she already started nitpicking me at the end of the aisle and saying like belittling things and she just didn't she wasn't very nice her family at the um, at the wedding were quite awful to to my family and made them feel this big. They were saying oh. things. I remember they, they showed it. I didn't. And the problem is, is I'm still sure oblivious. Dad there? No, mum didn't. Mum didn't want it. She was like, I'm not getting that shit. Dad was like, I'll go. Um, so he came, but I yeah. Some free beers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll come. <laughs> and this is the fucking other thing, which is go get to about the old man as well. So um, yeah, at the wedding. I remember you're oblivious to what's going on because they do like voxies and stuff, which is like asking him to like talk to the camera like this before like why all the other stuff's going on they take you away to film and I didn't realise like you talk stuff behind people's back and shit I didn't know any of that I never watched reality before and she I remember they showed this scene this is the only part of the maths I ever watched and I turned it off and never watched another Peter of any one season including my own but she she looked at her friends and I was sitting here talking to my mate and she said um blink twice if you like him and she goes like this and I was like fuck dude like I just met you like it was similar to obviously and I was like fuck and then when I saw that and my old girl was like I'm not watching that shit either and I turned it off and never watched it again since no way and that but then on the I remember going we went to the honeymoon and whatever and this is the part where it just really turned to shit and on the plane back um, and this is the thing as well, Max. They're like all the producers, are like, have you slept together? Have you slept together? I'm like, I'm not saying it. Like, it's not, man. They, they pressure you. You've slept together. So it's not my point. You ask her. If she wants to tell you, tell her. I'm not going on thing and saying no, I've slept with someone. It's not happening. And they keep. I was like, I'll walk away now. Just shut up. Like I'm not saying it. And then eventually they asked her whatever. I said, her Dad's watching all that shit. And then we're on the plane home. And just before like the seatbelt sign was on, or as we're like uh, descending down, she's like, you know, we meet other couples. And I was like. Fuck off. And she's like, yeah, we meet other couples. And I was oh, like, so you shit. fully had no, no. idea about this show. And I was show. like, holy shit. And she goes, and if you meet someone you like more, you can go off with them. And I was like, I think you've fucked marriage up a bit there, darling. I think, <laughs> I don't think that's how And she goes, no, it's true. And then when, as soon as we landed, I went up to my producer. Was, so she's just been watching every season, working have. out her tactics, how she can get her followers and get the... Well, and, and I went up to my producer as soon as we landed. I said, she's just said this. And she said, no, that's that's not how it is at all. I said, we should straighten her out because... She's she's it, and then she's I remember her saying, shit. "I never said that." And I was like, "What the fuck, man? You literally just said it. this fucking show's stupid." <laughs> I was like, "How can they do that?" And then I started to figure out, and then what the worst thing was when we landed, other couples were still on their honeymoons, so they put us in this hotel in Kings Cross, and it was like below ground, and the view was this alleyway, like people's feet, and we weren't allowed to leave for two days, and that just made it. Oh, I see. You're meant to like get to yeah. know each other. Well, it just solitary. got worse and worse, and then that basically we went into it just did not like each other and then she met Dean and, and whatever and then ran off with him. Yeah, let's real quickly talk about that because the way you held yourself <laughs> on the show, yeah, get into the second one. <laughs> a rapper at number good. two. Um, yeah, so, it's only 15% alcohol. Yeah, 15%. <laughs> no, yeah. Nothing. Don't worry, all my listeners know I don't drink. So I do a podcast episode about my sober journey actually. Um, but yeah, so there was the one part of your show that actually came out that I believe, I to be honest, I think I might have watch like a little bit of it but I've kind of heard the story where yeah she ends up running off with yeah. one of the other guys but you came across as you know I mean a good bloke on the show because you just like it seems like you have very good values you know what I mean for all the upbringing you've had you could have 
gone down a similar path to your brother with the drugs, a similar oh, path yeah. to your dad with the alcohol, but you've turned out how you are. You might be a bit loud and obnoxious, but I can just tell from chatting to you, you've got a great heart. And there's That's the worst part. And then seeing people, me judging people with Botox, people get a first impression of me too, which I've got to realise that's no different to what I did. Yeah. Which is very true. Because a lot of people do go, holy shit, when they first meet me. And it's not until you do... And I do a lot of good shit for charity and stuff, but I don't post about it. Because mm. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't need to fucking get people going, oh, right. Oh. We'll I talk don't. about that in, a, a bit towards the end of this yeah, chat yeah. because I think it's important because obviously you've got a lot of things in your life that are very important causes to you with like spinal injuries, mm. breast cancer, alcoholism, Parkinson's. domestic violence, Parkinson's. <laughs> you've got the whole charity buddy smorgasbord there that you would probably want to support based on your own story but yeah let's talk about what happened with Davina and um, Dean so your chick yeah. on the show so runs off with someone else. worst thing was it was the stupidest thing that's ever been done on maths as well they were looking at like what do you guys want to do with um, like you, we're halfway through and they're like do you guys want to do something to show what you do um, or like or hobbies or whatever and we got to choose things and I said well I like golf <laughs> she's like I don't play golf and I'm like I thought they asked for things I liked. I didn't realise it was about you. And then I like I like tattoos. And I was like, and the, I said to the producer, why don't I get her tattooed on me? And the producer just went, yes. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And um, I went after you like offer. Well, the like, worst thing was the day before she was on a date with Dean, and I didn't realise. Oh, and that producer knew that. Oh, and man, they're like, yeah, you should do that. And so she- I got her like a mermaid here with her tattoo in it and a picture of her and. And I remember getting it done, and there's a picture like online of me getting it done. You see my face, like, it's like, what the fuck am I doing? doing? But I had so many tattoos all over my body, it was just like, oh well. But the fact that she'd been on a date, I remember I went to do a magazine shoot with Dean's wife, so we were both in this magazine, so they took us away for the date, and then they had them filming their thing, so they didn't tell us. And people were like, oh, you so knew. they set that up perfectly, yeah, they, they, that they like, took them away. And... It's not scripted. I genuinely did not know. You don't know. They don't do different takes and stuff. They don't bring you back. And no, but like they again. must have known if you guys were going off oh, like that. Like the show must have set up the photo oh, shoot God, yeah. to, to like let they them. They hear everything people are saying. So like if you're at a dentist, she's like, oh, I think Dean's okay. They're going to, of course, try and push yeah. her down that, that alleyway. They're not stupid. So you get a tattoo and the producer and Davina know she's yeah. hooking up with someone behind your back. Yeah, and I had to play golf, <laughs> which was just awful. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember what we did for her. I can't remember what her things were. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the tattoo was a bit silly. And then I found out the following night um, that she hooked up with Dean. I was like, good. Oh, with you, you've still got the glad yeah. wrap over your arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's infected now. Um, so yeah, after mass, I thought I'd either just cut the whole arm off and start again. Uh, but I... I um, yeah, the, the, that was the part where I was like, fucking hell, I've got to really think about my, my choices in life. Um, and then I said, stay. And she said, leave, because she wanted yeah. him. And then that week, we were going to our parents' house. Oh. And I was like, uh, and we could Oh, she said, stay. She said, stay. If one so, says stay, you have to stay. So we had to go to my parents' place. So you got place. told about... Yeah. So she wanted to stay so she could the keep next, catching up with Dean. The next day, we were leaving to go to my parents' the farm... And see my parents, and I was like, fuck, all right. I was like, I said to the producer, I was, she's like, well, you got to tell your parents. I'm not telling them anything. I said, if I told them she's cheating with another fella, and no, we go down there, they're going to look at her totally different. It's going to be awkward. I said, I'm not telling them a thing. They, I don't want them, I sort of, if, if they do talk to her, I don't want them looking at her differently. It's fine. It'll do. And then we went down there, and then we're sitting at the table having sandwiches, and Davina's like, oh, I left Ryan for another guy. And mum's like, have some sandwiches. Like, we're just, <laughs> just like, cut the air with a knife. 
Um, and she was open about it, and I was like, oh, shit. And then I remember they sent me oh, up I to talk to my dad. dodged a bullet there, and yeah. Yeah, and they did, like, can you do a talk with your dad about um, oh. about the thing? I was like, I don't talk to dad about anything. And I'm like, well, can you do it? And I was just like, okay. Oh. And I was went up there, and I'm like, yeah, so this is how it is. That was probably the only time I've ever acted. Um, and then, yeah, I, I had to stay for another week. Um, and then I, I think she said, stay the next week. And I've said, leave because she wanted to spend more time with him. And I was like, what the fuck is this show? Like, this is awful. Um, and then, yeah, so we stayed another week and then finally she said, leave. Cause Dean said, I don't want to have anything to do with you on the outside. And they had a fight. So <laughs> no way. And then you ended up being mates with Dean. We ended up being mates. And then I had a girlfriend, uh, by the name of Ayla and we split up a week before Dean's 40th. I think it was. And he was going up to the Candyman's mansion for for like his that um, party he does every year, whatever the hell it is. And um, we so he was flying there, and I said I'll drop you at the airport for your birthday. Um, and it was like me, Dean, and a bloke called Eden. He was from Love Island, and Telv. He was on my series as well. We were very close mates, and they were all going. And I was like, I'm not interested in that shit. I'm not going. So I dropped Dean at the airport, and just before I got to the airport, Eden rang Dean's phone. It came up on the on the car speaker, and he's like, Oh, you'll never guess who just messaged me. Ryan's ex. And he's, and, and he's like, Ryan's in the car. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't write back. I didn't write back. And I was like, oh, mate. <laughs> I said, she's probably going to this thing. Just stay away from her. Like, she's going to be trying to get back at me or whatever. And Dean's like, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that to you. Next thing you know, all these stories on their fucking posts of them, like, bum dancing on <laughs> tops of the G-string on, like, getting into it. And I sent Dean a thing. I said, fuck, man. Like, it's all over your socials. I said, like, I, I said, can you just not do that? And he goes, oh, look, man, it's, it's okay. It's just one of those parties. Everyone's hooking up with everyone. And I just went, fuck you all. So I blocked every, I blocked them all. That morning, I found out mum had cancer for the third time. Oh. And I had a show that night in Central Coast. And I've never, ever walked on stage feeling so low on my life, but going like this. Oh. And that was the hardest show I've ever done. That was in a Gold Coast. Plus, it didn't sell that well either. It was like fucking 30 people in the crowd. It was awful. That's hard in the small crowd. So yeah, what happened post-maths? You're not, uh, what, you're not well, going back into your work and your business is gone because your dad's cooked you. Yeah, well, and then you, also because I took three well, And then off. there's a bit of a gap between when it comes out yeah. to when it airs to be able to get any of the brandy deal and profile kicks that you well, get from the Well, this is where it show. gets weird as well. So Channel 9, I wanted to... They, uh, a bloke who worked for Channel 9 who was a producer, who was a writer, for the footy show in Melbourne he approached a publicity for nine and said this guy's funny on the show and he was would he do comedy and she sent me an email I was like I've always I've been writing jokes for like six years I've always wanted to do comedy and she's like oh I'll put you in touch with him and I, I and he's like oh, I'm a comedian been doing it 30 years I'm the writer for the footy show I write their comedy skits and all that shit would you be interested in doing a tour and I was like yeah and he's like well I've got a comedy show come a festival show coming up in Melbourne, and he said it's with Scareweird little guys, Becky Lucas, um, all these fucking massive names. And this is before the show's aired? This is just after it finished. And I was after like, it aired? Like, yeah, after it aired, okay. yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, yeah, well, cool, I'll do that. It was 700 in the crowd. Never been on stage doing comedy in my life. And I did eight minutes. And then when I did that, he's like, you're keen to do another one? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, let's do an Australian tour. So I did every state in Australia. We sold out every one. A lot of them we did two shows in one night, some three in Perth. And sold that out. And then I had three shows to go because we'd sold out. Um, we did another show in, because we couldn't get on that weekend. We thought we'd do it a month later. We'd do another one in Sydney, another one in Melbourne, another one in Queensland, just at the end of the run because they couldn't buy tickets. And then it was like, I think it was about four weeks in, uh, no, about six weeks in. I said, when am I going to get paid? And he goes, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I said, well, I, I, I just spoke to the bloke from the one up in Queensland. And he said, he's already paid you. 
And he goes, look, it's, it's not about the money. I said, well, I, I mean, it is for me. Like, I've just gone yeah. around. He said, well, contact your lawyer. <laughs> I was what? like, shit. So I got 14000 for how many sold-out shows around Australia. He owes me about 90 grand. Um, and I, I just went... You didn't pay anything. I, did, I was just shaking a hand. I, I was too oblivious. I've always gone off shaking a hand like I never did it. Oh. So I, I, I lost me. Man, and I had a book deal. I was going to write a book about my anxiety and everything. And I had 70, it was 40 grand up front for the book. And it was with Penguin Books, and he wanted half. And I was like, you take 20%. He goes, oh, but I organised all this. And I was like, well, that's what management do. Yeah. And then, so he, he like, because oh, I said, oh, look. Um, the same guy that didn't pay you for the tour. Yeah, he was, he was turning up my manager. Like I said, would you be my manager? And the thing was, I was doing appearances and stuff, which is like, I mean, Fisher would know, like, it's just for fucking reality. People turn up, and there's like a DJ in there, yeah. and they just go on meet and greet and shit. It's a fucking wank. Um, there's no talent in it whatsoever. It's just literally, how yeah. you going? At least he's DJing. I've has seen a fucking you on talent. Stage, yeah. yeah, it's it's I mean, bullshit. I've seen you on TV. That's yeah, the, yay! The uh, well, look, so I know I'm a reality piece of shit, but they all are. <laughs> I know that's horrible to say, but you don't have a talent or whatever. You just come into the light, and a lot of them just think they're just fucking movie stars, and you're not. Yeah, you're not. Um, I know that's awful. Oh, I heard one on Kyle and Jackie O this morning. This chick like talking it like someone from a last season oh. talking about this season. I'm like, why? What? Why? Did, oh. why? Oh, like, I want to do like... other things. Like, yes, I did comedy, but I'm, I've tried to take my white self away from maths. And I, like, I, I didn't yeah. sort of live off it. I went and did my own thing. So he he did that, and then I was like, fuck. I, and I was doing the appearances, and I was giving him cash of tw- like I was giving him half sometimes. I was like, no, no, I'm honest here. You go, and I was giving him so much money of that, and he was just sort of doing things that even. Like, I don't know, we, like how much I was getting. Yeah, there. I know. And then I was like, shit. And then I didn't have a manager for like two months and I had wanted to do a lot of things. And I was like, and Dean had one. And I reached out to him and I said, look, I'll just, I'll tell my story what just happened. I, I'm sort of up shit street. What can I do? And he said, yeah, we'll come have a meeting. I went to a meeting and went on with them. And they're called Stage Addiction. They're at Gold Coast. And he's one of my best mates, Shane, now. But I, I've ended up leaving him recently. But I was with them for four years and he picked me up out of the shit and I um I again did not sign a contract with them I just said no I just want to do shake the hand it's just how it works yeah. I don't like that shit I don't want legal I, yeah. I don't and that's the thing people are like why don't you take that guy to court why like what's yeah. that going to achieve I don't want him to feel like shit I don't want to feel like shit the, the one thing at night I can sleep at night he can't Yeah. he knows what he's done Um, it's the way it is and I also had a lot of footage from my shows that he has and I've never gotten they were like my first ever comedy shows I've never gotten those um but yeah, at the end of the day, I have seen him since. Um, I saw him in a restaurant, I was walking past and I didn't go in. But look, if I saw the guy, he also gave me my start in comedy, yeah. which I now do what I love. Would I have done it without him? I don't know. So at the end of the day, I've got to look at the positive, which is that. Now I have a career and I love doing what I do. Um, and I probably wouldn't have had it. If yeah. I, what's money? Money shit all. I've already spoken about that. It's a really mature and kind of... What else do you do? Non-spiteful mindset to have that I feel like a lot of people don't share, which is, um, yeah, it's pretty special, man. Well, now being an adult, I mean, like I said, the kid bullied me. I, I decked him one when I was, when I was 22. Now I'm an adult and look at it. You've got to look at it an adult way. Yeah. Like, what am I going to achieve from going to court and, and suing the guy? Like, it'll probably cost me 50 grand to, make to do it. And that's if I win. Yeah. I've got nothing in writing or whatever. What's the point in doing that when you can just move on, get on with, give, like he gave me a gift and, and sort of a start, use mm. it. Let's talk about comedy. Yeah. What got you into comedy? And I know from somebody who gets up on stage to speak, public speaking is the most feared thing in the world, more feared than dare. It is, correct. It is. Yeah, yeah. there that's, you go. That's a, that's that's a, a good st- stat to throw out <laughs> when, when you're getting a bit nervous. <laughs> well, the one way I, the first ever, that one I did to 700, that, the one thing I, I was so nervous, I remember telling myself when I was 80 years old, if I get there, um, I want to look back, would I be upset if I didn't do this? 
And what does it matter if I didn't, it failed. It would make nothing. And, and I've, I don't get nervous when I walk out on stage now. I, I, I love it. But back then, that was the one thing. When I'm older, I would be disappointed if I didn't go out there. Mm. So I, I want to look back and be proud of myself. So I just went out and did it. And it's sort of like when you... I mean, you've bumped big wave surfing, haven't you? You still shit yourself, don't you? Yeah. You, you, you do it because you know at the end of it, you're like, yes. Like mm. it, the feeling of coming, me walking off stage and knowing I've done a good gig is the best feeling in the world. I've never done heroin, but I assume that's what that feels like because mm. it, it's a rush. Um, it's an addictive thing. And now every comic will, will say that that's what you're chasing. Yeah. When you walk off, and you, you do have some pretty shit gigs. I've had some terrible yeah, ones. Yeah, tell, tell me a good story. Of a oh, I've got a bad one. This is, this is, um, so this yeah. is, this is a baddie. So obviously the old man's got Parkinson's and he reached out to me and said, um, would you do uh, Parkinson's Australia? Um, fun, and your fundraiser oh. and that's 10 minutes of comedy at the start and then MC it and I was like yeah and he goes it's in our hometown near Goulburn and I was like they're doing it there this year because the bloke who's on the committee is from there and they're happy to do it there and I was like alright and I went and had a meeting I said look just you know I'm not the most PC I, I swear I said I can tone the swearing down I said but the jokes there's a lot that are like <laughs> there's some rude ones there's a lot in there and they said look you just do whatever we're fine with that we don't mind a bit of He's like, all right. <laughs> I, I, um, I went up and I did, I think I was about eight minutes in. And, and I was like, the worst thing was I walked in this room, there was 400 people which were between the age of 65 and 80. Oh. And I thought, fuck them, they're not going to understand anything I'm talking about, whether it's dating apps or anything. Like, What's that? Yeah. And then I thought, the best thing when you do like a corporate or something, you try and find things that they can relate to or something that's about the company or yeah, something. Yeah. And I thought, all I've got is old age death and Parkinson's none of these are fucking funny, funny yeah. and I felt shit and I was sitting out the back I was like fuck I've got to think of something here and I just thought nah I'm just going to walk out and see what happens and I walked out and I locked eyes with this bloke at the front and I said it was really good seeing everyone uh, here with Parkinson's getting along so well because when I walked in you're all shaking hands <laughs> and it just got nothing I was like right I'm going back to my other shit and afterwards this bloke came up to me and he had like these um like what do you call them strand things that come up here uh, uh, suspenders suspenders on and he was a bit of a hipster and he's like that was rude and I was like yeah and he goes I was going to turn your sound off and I was like well I'm glad you didn't <laughs> and he goes I wish you know I think I said I wish you did <laughs> and then he said well uh, and he's he was there and he was like yeah he was I don't know he was just a real freaking Karen and he um, and eventually I said to him here's the the, uh, the notepad you're doing it and I walked out and uh, my family was there it was in my hometown, oh. and it was awful. Oh, it was just... Oh, I remember walking down the street, and I rang the manager, and I was just laughing. I was like, that was probably the pinnacle of bottom you'll ever get. And to be honest, no, nah, I've never really... I know... That was back when I was green still as well. I didn't know... I didn't have as much material as what I do now. Now I've got enough to sort of do corporates, which are like over the head of kids and stuff, like you can say things and things you know will work and, and more or better at sort of picking what to joke about what not to mm. back then it was a bit green but it, it learned I didn't care it made yeah. me laugh what about when you tell a joke no one laughs I'm like doesn't happen <laughs> it doesn't happen nah you do these small comedy rooms to do that so you do your jokes and that, I just go well, well that was fucking funny wasn't it like you just make a yeah, joke yeah. and people will laugh at that um, see I need to learn some of these tricks because I have like one or two little <laughs> bits of humour throughout my workshop and like with adults they hit every time, but you try and do it to high school kids, and it's just like well, crickets. It's a joke. Uh -huh. I try and make it out like it wasn't meant to be a joke, and just keep going. It seems like you can say, "Who here's got an Xbox?" And the kids go, oh, "I do," and you go, "Well, I've got one of those," but she hates it when I call her that. 
<laughs> and the kids, if they're young enough, it'll go straight over their head and the, 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 the mum and dad will be there just going... But see, there's, there's like cruise ships. I don't do cruise ships because they want 45 minutes all ages show, 45 minute adult show. Mm. I don't have enough jokes to do in front of children. I write, people know what I do. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm pretty, I'm not risque, but I'm not, I, I push the boundaries and I'll find topics and twist it and make it smart. And people go, oh fuck, that's good. That's what mm. I like. Um, I'm pretty weird. Joe Rogan style stuff. Oh, who, no, more Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr. More like I, you twist it and you make them think. Like when I did it over in America, they were a bit slower with England and Australia have like a real quick wit where yeah. they're, they're sort of twisting. Over in America, they sort of just talk and yell. It's weird. I had to sort of give them a pause and they went, oh, and then they'd start laughing when they sat to think about catch it. Up. Yeah, that was the one thing. And with when I did America, I had to change things like terminology, which was like footpath. I had to change the sidewalk. Because <laughs> you say footpath, they're like, "What's that?" And they're already thinking, so they're not even listening. Yeah, engaged. Yeah, it's it's weird, but the comedy, um, yeah, that's the worst one I think I've ever had. There's not the the thing when you say people don't laugh. The small comedy rooms where there's like ten people in there, you do during the week to perfect the material. That's where you want it to happen. Yeah. So when I'm doing a gig to corporate or whatever, there's four hundred, a thousand, whatever. Those jokes I know work. Yeah. Um, there's ones I've written. I remember there's a bloke called Isaac Butterfield. Um, he's big on YouTube and he's very in politically correct. But smart. Yeah, yeah. I opened for him in, in, um, the Palladial theater, whatever it is in Sydney. And I went to the wrong fucking theater. It was 40 minutes away. And I rang him. I said, uh, you're not out the front. He goes, I'm fucking here. I was like, you're not. And he's like, where are you? I was like, I'm at the theater in Newtown. He goes, I'm the one in Blacktown. I was like, oh, oh. shit. And I got there and as they parked at the back door of the theater ran in, grabbed the mic, went straight on stage and I'm, I had two new jokes. I was like, fuck it, I'm doing them. And I did them and they, they aced. I'll know when I do one where I go, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's ones I've done where it's, I was, yeah, that's when I know they work. Uh, but there's ones where I think we'll be, need a bit more or I'm not sure. Like I've done jokes which I thought weren't funny yeah. and I've just tried them and they've got a massive laugh. And I was like, you, what the fuck? And then I'm sure you've probably done shows and then done it the next day and it's had a completely different response. Perth was like that. Perth was, I did three shows in one night and the first hour fucking aced. Second hour was shit. Same jokes, same venue, different audience. Same location of people too. Dem- just a like, different audience. Yeah, yeah. Same seating, just different people and it went real bad. Third one was pretty good but I was tired as fuck. Yeah. Doing an hour on stage is like doing an eight hour day. Yeah. That's so, my keynotes it. are an hour. Yeah. Like when sometimes... Do you go off here or you go off here? I have a presentation behind me, yeah. but I don't definitely don't read off yeah. it. It's just like, I know I can, I could literally just freestyle my whole 45 minutes. Cause you've got key points which come up. So exactly. You know order. I know exactly the order of my story. With now. an hour. So I'll do, um, what's it's like, so the way to describe it, it's like having an album where you've got the song's title. Yeah. So my joke, I'll do like five jokes in one and that'll be the title so I'll know that's where that kicks off when I get to the end of that I'll put that on like the reverse speaker or sometimes on the top of the stool Um, it's very hard to do an hour without that shit a lot do it but with ADHD I can't yeah to remember to to speak for an hour Mm. and to engage an audience for an hour like you're the only one to engage people is really tough and there's more than just what you're saying it's the way you use your voice it's the way you look at people it's the way for you as well you use the crowd like performance is yeah. the word. I had to learn that a long, for a long time. Performance. One of my best mates in Sydney, in Melbourne, he's been a comedian for like 25 years. He's like, performance. And he always used to say to me, he used to piss me off. And then I was like, you're fucking dead right. You're a performer, yeah. You lose them for 30 seconds, they're gone. And they're mm. never coming back. Yeah. They will turn off and they'll just be like, this is 
give me the shits like I'm done. But yeah. if you keep them, and that's the hardest thing. It's always on the ball. You can't have a second to go, hang on a minute, and have a think. Yeah. you got to keep talking. Yeah. But we, like, all mine's rehearsed, really, but I'll do a lot of stuff off the cuff, and that's the best thing about doing jokes over and over. A lot of things people will, like, it'll bring out a new thing. You'll just say something, it'll work, and you'll go, fuck, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. But when you've got, like, 20 minutes to go, you're like, fuck, I've got to remember that. Yeah, While yeah. talking, takes your mind off it. Yeah. I was doing a gig in Melbourne just before Christmas, and I fucking said the punchline before the bloody, and I was like, fuck you, idiot. <laughs> and I just went, well, there's the punchline, didn't even fucking say the joke. Good lead in, let's go to the next one, and then moved on. And people were like, what the fuck? And that, that can happen. I forgot a joke, um... In 2008, my first tour in the sit-down comedy club in Brisbane, and I remember I'd been out the night before. We we'd um we did uh because of the open night. My manager was a massive drinker, and we went out till five in the morning, and then our flight got cancelled at nine, and then they put us on a flight at three because the high winds they cancelled all the flights, um and then I landed as half an hour before my show started. So I walked in in track pants and thongs, and as I walked into the doors, everyone just looked at me, and I was like oh fuck everyone's here so I didn't get to rehearse what I was doing oh. I was hung over I went on stage and second joke I just f- fucking forgot and I was like you know it would have been really funny if I didn't fuck that joke up and everyone just laughed anyway and I moved on taking the piss out of yourselves always good. but all my jokes are they're yeah. all self-deprecating I don't want about how small my dick is I don't even have a small dick but I go on about how tiny it is and shit because and a lot of people can relate well it's not just that they can't tell me otherwise there's exactly. no one there that can look and go oh he doesn't that's yeah. bullshit you, they have to believe in everything like I don't do racist jokes I don't do um, any homophobic jokes, I don't do anything. I can do a joke about my Asian friend, I can do a joke about my gay friend, but mm. you can't do stuff yeah. like that. And I wouldn't do it anyway. Yeah. All my jokes are more about me and my life and around it. And yeah. and like, I've done jokes about my brother in a wheelchair and my brother and I wrote them together. Like, it, yeah. It's fine if they're related. To, if a joke's related to you, you can get away with it. Mm. If you're just doing jokes about black people and gay yeah. people and stuff, you ne- that's just... I mean, so every comic anyway, in the place funny, is like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't work. And I've seen some people freaking bomb on that shit. I've seen people do pedophile jokes and it just, Oof. it never works. I've got a, um, a, a, it's not a pedo joke, but I've got one which is fucking very well done where it's not, it's it's smart, but it's just, you get them shocked where they don't see it coming. That's the part. It's not about pedophilia or anything, but it's just, it's got this bit which is like sort of it. And it's just like, they go, oh fuck. And then it's it's funny though. It's not detrimental it's not it's not pet it's not really pedo but it's but just sometimes if you're bringing up a joke that's trying to bring light to a situation in a fun you know what i mean like if it's like that's about right. the church or something in pedophilia like yeah 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 you know what i mean like uh, but the, the, but the one thing i've always said with with jokes and 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 buttsman's done this a few times he had a bloke stand up um when he did a joke about the catholic church a bloke stood up and said i i was molested by the catholic church wow. and imagine being up there just going fucking turn to shit and then yeah. isaac had the, one of the best responses i've heard where he said look i i, I look i i'm sorry that happened I to you i'm really sorry that happened to you but were you joking about the cyclists earlier were you joking about the the women jokes earlier and he was like yeah and i was like well you gotta have, everyone joked like that you're gonna have to maybe say like i've heard breast yeah. cancer jokes i've heard all that it's not something I do, but I'm not going to hate someone for it. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, they are trying to do a joke. It's just, they're not, they're not sort of, maybe they don't have the right that some people are just starting off. They don't realize mm. sometimes you can get away with a little bit just in the center. And then if you pick it back up with a self deprecating one, mm. you win them back. I always start with self deprecation, self deprecation, yeah. self. So people know I'll joke about myself before I joke about any single other person. Mm. 
Um, and that's the most important thing. I've had a, a lady come up to me um, after the show in Brisbane at the Powerhouse, and she was like, I said, do you enjoy the show? And she must have had several pauses. I couldn't really understand what she was saying. And I thought she said yes. And I was like, what's your favourite part? She goes, I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, what, what, why? And she goes, the wheelchair joke. And I was like, oh, I said, that's my brother. Like, I wrote that with my brother. My brother's a loved one. I love him more than anything. Like, it's not about people in wheelchairs. I wouldn't... It's about that, like, he's fine with it, I'm okay with it, it's, it's, it's yeah. that. I said, at the same time, did you laugh at the other ones? And she said, yes. And I said, well, you got to look at it that way. I said, I'm, like I said, I'm very yeah. sorry in wheelchair, but I'm, I'm not joking anyone. at people in wheelchairs. It's this situation, yeah. and, and I wrote it with him, and he's fine with it, and that's okay with me for that. And she said, oh, you're true, okay. And she was fine with it. I didn't tell her to fuck off, I didn't say anything. We t- spoke it out, and this is my reasoning. And I, I'd never ever go on that stage to make anyone feel shit. Yeah. My job is to make people laugh and to be happy, and and sometimes push subjects. And and you can push it. I'm not out to hurt anyone 150 percent, nor mm. make anyone in that audience feel like shit. Yeah. Um. And that something sometimes there's jokes with people that do that. They need to look at themselves and go, "Fuck, that's not even funny," and they're yeah. not. Um. But yeah, that's that's the hard part with comedy now as well is what can you say and what can't you say. Yeah, it's a bit but on that with with comedy, so when I fi- when I finished maths, whatever, my old man started to take an interest in my life, where he wanted to be a part of everything. Booked t- tickets all around Australia to fly to all my events and was staying around for the after parties and shit. And we we're at this, um, I think it was in Melbourne. I was doing a show in Melbourne, and he said, "I've got a girlfriend coming to a show in Adelaide." And I was like, "What?" Because he's with Mum. <laughs> and I was like. You what? And he goes, oh, I've got a girlfriend. I said, what part of that makes you feel okay? And I was five minutes from walking on stage. Oh. And I was like, you are a real fucking asshole for doing this shit. And I banned him. He's never been allowed to come back or anything since. But I used to bowl the woman's days and new ideas, everything, and like, show me. Like, I was not, I'm like, mate, I don't fucking care. Like, it's yeah. bullshit. There was one of them saying I was homeless living in my car. <laughs> like, because someone got a photo of me getting something out of the boot of my car. Oh and my he's God. like, you've read this. I said, Dad, I live with you. Fuck with And he's like, oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. I'm like, I don't want to see that shit. Like, I don't think you realise that's all, like, pretty hurtful shit. And I don't need to know about it to yeah. stop. Like, and, oh, did you watch maths tonight? I don't watch maths. Oh like, God. I don't watch maths. I don't watch any reality. Oh, I, actually, I do. I, I love the voice. I love the voice. I think because I, I get emotions from people singing when they do the mm. things. There's things, music has helped me through my life, like, no tomorrow. I don't know about you, but if you've got certain things that happen in your life, you've got a soundtrack for mm. it. I've got it for everything. I remember every low point I've had, I've sat there with headphones and just sort of country music helped me through everything. Oh, yeah. And I love the voice when people come out and do their auditions when they get real emotional. And that's the ones I like. When they get into the further ones, it's a bit shit, but that's the one I like. Australia's Got Talent, I love. Uh, but yeah, fucking massive. Yeah, the reality stuff's a it's just awful. different kettle of fish. It's isn't awful. It? And a lot of people watch it, man. I've had I have people, kids people come are just me. so absorbed by it. And it's like they get so invested in somebody else's bullshit anyway. Well, I think you've got a husband and wife sitting on the couch watching maths and going, We're not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> Our lives are pretty good. Cool, yeah, Our marriage is pretty flash. Yeah. That's seriously one of the things that I feel like a lot of people just like Yeah, it makes them feel better. But man, it's been an epic chat. One thing I just want to quickly touch on before we wrap up is yeah, some of the charity work done. You know, I know you say you like to keep it quiet, but I think it's important just to show the sort of charities that you like to support. So maybe anyone else here listening, because we do have a very great audience of good humans. Yeah, yeah. um, some charities that are important to you. Uh, look, I I do like I said I don't like talking about the charities I do. I do a bit with homeless, breast cancer, Parkinson's. Um, brain cancer, um, a, lo- a lot of them. But I, I think with when it comes to charity, it's, it's you don't need anyone to know that you're doing it. Mm. I, I think that's the most important thing. 
if the charity work you're doing doesn't make you feel like a smile when you get in your car and drive off, then you shouldn't be doing it. I think mm. if you've got a post online to think, fuck, I needed to do that today because my followers are thinking I'm a piece of shit, don't yeah. do it. Like, I, I think that's the, the, the most common key. For me, charity, it's similar. When I do comedy shows, I think that feels like charity too. You're putting a smile on someone's face and when you go on with homeless and stuff, I, I haven't been able to work with the homeless for a while because I used to do it Monday nights. I've been away for so long doing shit. When COVID came back, like work was coming, I was taking whatever I could and I was traveling so much. Like from July 31st to Christmas, I was home two weeks. Wow. Um, I was away a lot and I feel really bad and I get up myself for not going and doing that. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck man, I, I, like I've got to sort of get my yeah. life in track first before I help anyone else's. And even this year, I was doing a breast, uh, breast cancer walk to raise money from Newcastle to Sydney, which I do every year. Same with brain cancer, we do that mid-year, same walk. And... I just so burnt out and Emily was doing it with me, my partner. She she was um, coming along and yes, I've got a partner now, Emily. We didn't touch on that one. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll quickly touch on that because she's an <laughs> Olympian, yeah? She is an Olympian, yeah. She's a, she's a four-time Olympian. She's a wow. very three-times gold medalist. Uh, I thought wow. she had 59 medals at first. I'd have to get her on the podcast. Mate, we'll scrap your one. She'll do it. No, she'll do it. No, I'll, no, I'll have to get you to link me out. That'd be epic. She's the most beautiful, lovely person. I'm very very lucky to have uh, to have met her. We met on a, another TV show called um, The Challenge. Which oh, was right. you've got all I feel like we're. I'm trying to wrap it up. No, but no, no. No, I, I forgot you've been on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Yeah, I did I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, which I met Charlotte on that one, which didn't turn out very well. And then I went on another one called The Dog House, and that was one of the best matches I had. That was a dog. I rescued uh, Pepper. And then I went on The Challenge, and I remember meeting them on the plane on the way there, and I sort of took a fancy, but then I found out she had a partner. And I was like, oh shit, bugger. And then um, halfway through, we were just getting really close. We were talking a lot. Never hooked up on the show, whatever. And then when I, I got voted out uh, about halfway, three quarters of the way through, and I said, well, I'll wait for you on the outside because we're in Argentina. And, and she said, okay. And then she got voted out two days later and she rang her partner and said, um, I'm really sorry. No, but it wasn't. No, he was, he was pretty, pretty bad. She can talk about that though. Yeah. But he, he had his problems too. Um, but yeah, and then we um, traveled to America together straight after Argentina. Came back, she moved to the farm. And then, um, yeah, we just done India together. And yeah, we're up here at her place in Brisbane. But yeah, that was meeting her was just insane. Breath of fresh air. Well, I like I said, and this is the most cliche shitty say, saying, but I went on. Um, I'm a celebrity to uh, to uh, what was it? I went on. No, I don't even know my own saying. Uh, what was it? It was quite. It's quite fucking good. Once I get it, you'll be like, oh, worth the wait. Uh, it was. Uh, I went on. Oh yeah, I went on maths to find love, and um, and. Oh, what was it ended up in fear or some shit and then I went on the challenge to be in fear and end up finding love yeah wow. sorry it took a while it sounds pretty shit actually now I say it back but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was true I never saw it coming man I honestly didn't I did not see it coming at all and then I've never been you know what the best thing and I'll say it actually because this podcast is actually about that so we did this run at the end of uh, we got woken up at I think it was 10pm at night and we got put in the back of a truck and taken to this remote location like an hour away and they turn these lights on and there's this lake and it's 40 metres deep. It's five degrees weather and we had to swim across that lake and then run constantly for two hours. Um, and at the end of that, it was 1.30 in the morning. It was so cold, I couldn't feel my hands. Um, and I had the worst anxiety I've had since I was like, since I started taking the medication. I sw- you know when you feel real depleted? Mm. Or the one thing with anxiety is when you're tired, my sleep is detrimental to me. I need it, otherwise I get bad anxiety. And I was so tired and I remember there and Em came up to me and she was so good with me and it's like, um, 
what do you do for fun? And like all these things that psychologists do to take your, your mm. mind off it. She knew. And I was like, how the fuck do you know this? And Same thing as an athlete. Yeah. Ready she, for big well, events. Her brother's got anxiety. And so oh, she's, okay. she grew up with him and she knew. And, and it was... And I was just such a breath of fresh air for someone because it's one thing when you get with someone you're afraid of it. And I feel like, because I'm a blokey bloke, I feel a bit like they're going to look at me and think, oh, fuck, like you're weakling or whatever or whatever because I just all of a sudden have a panic attack in the middle of bloody Woolworths. And she was so understanding and that was so attractive to me. Like it was just like, oh my God. Modern and the lips. Yeah. And we just had, and I grabbed her, we were lined up and I grabbed her, um, pulled her aside and said, I wanted to kiss you back there. And she went, oh, and then like ran off. I was like, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. I was like, oh God, oh God. And then I was sitting on the, on the bus and it, well, I had my head noise. I was like, oh, you dickhead. <laughs> and she came up and sat next to me and she's like, I wanted to as well. And I was like, oh shit. And that was like three days before I got evicted. And then. Wow. Yeah, there was always something there, but we never really acted on it. We didn't want to do it the wrong way. We we waited till she cut affairs, and then we um wow. moved on. But yeah. that's cool, man. What a she she's she's an amazing person, man. You got to have her on here. She's got a story of her own as well, with all her own battles, and she's overcome them. And just like I think, yeah, she's got like fifty nine actual medals for like Commonwealth Olympics. Wow, well, she, she's incredible, man! Like you watch her swim, that swim across the lake, because it was. I was about to say, I bet you she was the quickest swimmer yeah, across well, the lake. I, it was free, like the water was like so fucking cold, like ice. It was so cold, and I, I, I had this thing where I just like I've got. I, that's the problem with anxiety. I don't have fears of like shit. I just fucking get shit done, and I just ran and jumped first in, and then started swimming, and then I was like, I was beating her for that fucking second, and then you know, yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> and she just goes, man. She beat us all by like a minute 40. No. It was 300 meters. Oh my God. She just took off and it was like, holy shit. I got second though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not the strongest swimmer in the world. Wow. But yeah, she, she it was, it was amazing, but she's overcome a lot of shit as well. And she's, um, yeah, she'd be great to have on you too, actually. She'd definitely do it for you. Sick. Yeah. We'll have to see that up. But, um, man, but this, this one's about me, not you, yeah. so, <laughs> so this one's all about you. <laughs> I guess, um, second last question I asked you, what do you got coming up? What are you looking forward to? 2023, fresh year. Well, well uh, I've got, this is going to sound totally um, contradictory what I just said. So with comedy, I, I've decided to take a bit of a break until probably mid-year with that. I just need, I needed a bit of time away. I burnt myself out to the end of the next last year and I just wanted to have a bit of time. So my other passion I do is building cars. I build them from ground up. I, I get them engineered. I build like from scrap cars from like that are about to be crushed. I turn them into show cars. Uh, and I want to push that on a channel. So I'm going to do a YouTube channel this year. I'm going to go Sick. back, get my workshop ready for filming all lit, all lights and stuff. And I'm going to, I've already bought all the cars and doing, or I'm doing one car, but it's two cars that'll go into one. Um, and I'll start building that when I get back and start a channel. Cause I watch a lot of these shows on YouTube with people that, um, are like a, uh, just a bloke in a shed, like building cars and he, he's just so talented with all his stuff and, and I love watching him and they've got so many followers and they make a living off, a living off it and I was like, fucking, why can't I do that? Sick. And I've been doing it since I was a kid. I've always built go-karts, yeah, cars. You speak very well to the camera. Like yeah, well, I'm used to that shit and M's like, I'll film you. So <laughs> I've got that and everyone I watch on thing has a, has a great chick behind him who's filming for him who puts an hour a day into sort of filming and and because Em and I live at the farm, if we're not away working or whatever, we can put in um, a Do solid day doing it, and that's two or three episodes per day. See. So that's what I want to push this year. That's my goal this year. Also, I'm still not drinking this year, so I've taken a year off again, not drinking. Um, that's idea. another one. I've never done it before, but I wrote, I don't know if you do it. Do you write a list each year? Of what goals? I'll show you right here. I'm gonna get up quickly get off my chair. I've never done it before till this year. Neither have I, really. Oh, my, am I allowed to look at it? Yeah. 
I've got my broken down oh, you've into got lists. different ones. I've got like into different domains, but then I've got my work goals, which I've got at work. But yeah. these are just like my personal, like different things yeah. for my relationship. Read 12 books. Book a month. You see how many books I've got sitting there, all just from Christmas oh, that I've got. I can't got sit down and read them. Yeah, you say you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, read Grug. Grug yeah. goes to school. Grug gets a haircut. <laughs> oh, yeah. Start learning Portuguese. My chick's Brazilian. Yeah. So I gotta learn, want to try to learn Portuguese. Well, it'd be just nice. all different stuff. Like... Yeah, anyway. that's good, mate. Yeah, I've this only wrote like, ten, but yeah. now I think I'm. This was do just that. like this is way too big, probably. Not really. But this was just to like get out everything that fuck. My mind goes like these are all things that I think about. Like fuck, I got to be meal prep on Sunday. Exactly. So yeah, I've got my little write it bigger. Put it somewhere. Yeah, I know. I need to like get them up on the walls. But I got a mate of mine, Justin, who just posted his online. He's got a big whiteboard. Yeah, I've got my my work ones are on my whiteboard, so yeah, that's I, I, I didn't know how important that was, and now it's sticking to them. I think it's real important to write them down. I've I never done like, it before. Sound like I'm gonna butcher the percentage, but I think it's like you're like forty or sixty percent more likely to um, achieve wow. a goal if you've written it down, and then it goes up again if you tell someone about it. So, wow. me, so me and my partner sat down on New Year's Eve. That's what me and MD and did like day. our tarot cards because she's into healing and really? stuff, and we um did our like say well so wouldn't be writing them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, um, yeah. What's the last question? The last question. This is good because you wouldn't have heard this podcast. This is the question that I ask every single person. What does being a good human mean to Ryan Gallagher? Uh, I think being a good human is, like I said before, it's not about what other people think. It's about what you think. So if you go to bed at night, be able to go to sleep, I think that's the most important thing. It's mm. not about what Karen down the road or Jeff up the street thinks about what you do or anyone online about all oh, your followers or any of that shit. It's whether you go to bed at night thinking I did good today or I helped that person or I helped this this these people out or, or something like that. I think that's the most important thing. And that's what I strive for. I don't strive for anyone to give me any type of oh good praise. Yeah, yeah I don't need that shit. I, I don't I don't don't care. Um, I'd prefer to know that I put a smile on someone's face or made them laugh and that's that's the main thing. Laughing's always been the other at school I did it, I was always the class clown. I remember having a teacher say to me, You're never gonna get anywhere being a smart ass. Well, and that fucking backfired on She's dead now. Uh, <laughs> she was old. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and I end up doing that. So people can tell you shit's not going to work, tell them to piss off. But yeah, I think what you think about yourself is the most important thing in the world. If you are, I think that's also mental health. If you, mm. for yourself, if you're helping someone else, it makes you feel good about yourself. And, I, and that might sound selfish, but it is a very important thing in life. Do, do something. It's, that's very well put. It's something that I do speak about in my workshops on this podcast. I've also spoken about it a lot too. The fact that doing something kind for somebody should never be a transaction. It should be yeah. doing something kind because it's the right thing to do. And then the byproduct is it makes you feel good anyway. So you get something out of it without needing something in return. Yeah, I think, and, and uh, I know there's another thing. You've ever seen everyone drive around a Ferrari and stuff. There's not many two people that drive that Ferrari that hadn't screwed someone to get there. Mm. They can't go to bed at night and sleep. If you can go to bed with a calm mind and go, I didn't screw anyone today, like that's, mm. a, that's a good feeling. There's a lot of people out there that can't go to bed like that and that's a pretty the, big but thing. But the sad thing is a lot of those people do go to bed fine because they Oh, that's the bad thing too. That's exactly right as well. My old man's one of them. That's, yeah, um, yeah that's the... That's you dead right on that. I'm just going to empathise with those people, but... Well, you never get oh, through to them. That's the problem. Yeah. You just try and move on and just get them out of your fucking life, which is... There's a lot out there. Yeah. Man, this has been a sick chat. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time. Thanks, Beautiful to meet you. Thanks for being so open. I'm sure a lot of people will learn a bit about your story. They might not have from this chat. I appreciate you sharing a lot about your childhood, your family dynamics. Yeah. It takes um, 
a big person to be able to be that vulnerable and share. And like you said, you are very open and you get up on stage. I think everyone should be. I think everyone should too, but not telling it doesn't make it not true. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's. And I suppose all the people that have come out as gay and stuff will say the same thing. It's very fucking hard to express yourself and like stuff like that. It is fucking hard. And if you say like, oh, it's easy to be open, someone like that will go, well, it's fucking not. So yeah. you can't really say it is. But I think the best thing when you are open, it does help someone else. So like mm. someone coming out and saying, I came out to my parents up. Someone watching that will go, fuck. That's, I can do that I too. I can do that too. So it's like us with anxiety and, and you with your career and stuff. Someone will be watching. That's why I want to work with kids as well. And hopefully someone out there's got an eating disorder with vomiting or a drunk parent or some shit like that that can go, fuck. Mate, we'll have to chat. That's what the Good Human Factory with my business, the goal is as the next couple of years go on to start bringing people like speakers in under the Good yeah. Human Factory to share their um, challenges and how they've overcome them. Because I, I did think... radio. I can not swear as well. I've been there. I can definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, man. Um, much. I'll leave all your stuff in the show notes. Best place to check you out is just Instagram. I'm yeah, guessing, yeah, yeah. Website. Yeah, go on there. Um, yeah. Right, does anyone have a website anymore? You do, don't you? I'm a business. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, Everyone just goes off the ground. You put your link tree on there it. and stuff. That's it. But man, thanks so much for jumping thanks, on Good Humans. It's been Appreciate an absolute it. pleasure. The root. You. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.